Hello, and welcome to Clashy. This is Chandra coming to you with a very special episode. It is a re-release of our Hocus Pocus and the Crucible episode, which happens to be our very first episode of this podcast. In honor of Hocus Pocus 2 dropping today, we decided to re-release our episode to get you guys excited for later this month when we release an episode featuring Hocus Pocus 2. And we are so excited to watch this movie and talk about it on the podcast. Oh, and if you're lucky, you might get another bonus bonus episode this month. But in the meantime, enjoy the baby spinsters discussing their favorite witches. And welcome to Clashy, a podcast where we're consuming and discussing a classy and a trashy piece of entertainment for your, or possibly just our at this point, entertainment. <laughs> True. So uh, my name is Andrea. Uh, one classy thing about me is that I was just, I just saw this. I buy really expensive lipstick <laughs> because I really like it, and that makes me classy. Um, one trashy thing about me is I just thought of this as well. So you know how when you change a toilet paper roll, <laughs> you're supposed to put it back on the thing that rolls because like that's a nice thing to do and throw away the old one. Me and my roommate have been living this way for two months where we just set it on top of the roller and don't put it on and pick it up every time we use it. (laughs) Excellent. We could not be roommates, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) We've given up, guys. It's midterm. It's fair. It's fair. um, My name is Sandra, and I was once referred to as Sarah as the classiest shorts person in our group. And a lowbrow fact about me is that I ate four corn dogs, veggie corn dogs, for lunch today. Nice. I mean, trash is questionable in that case. <laughs> They're the classiest. As of a foods. vegetarian, I should have eaten some vegetables. I accidentally got veggie sausage, and as I was cooking it for breakfast, I assumed that Shandra had cursed me. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I really curse sad. you? You were blessed. How did you get veggie sausage on accident? I don't want to talk about it, guys. That was probably way expensive. Uh, hi, I'm Sarah. <laughs> uh, my classy fact is that uh, this week I will be presenting to the American Association of University Women. My trashy Ooh. fact is I was so broke at my sister's bachelorette party that I smuggled in cans of Bud Light, waited till I found an empty glass, and poured myself beers under the table all night. <laughs> Very nice. That is amazing. Mm, hot nice. tip, hot tip. <laughs> Whew, all right. That saved you so much money, though. Mm, it truly did. It truly did. <laughs> I regret nothing. Um, <clears throat> so what's our what's our, pod, our podcast theme today, guys? It is witches. Heck. Yes. Yes. We're discussing The Crucible as our classy piece of fiction and Hocus Pocus as our trashy piece of fiction, one is truly upsetting, and the next is a fun, fun romp. So should we start with the upsetting one? Let's and on a high note, that's our plan, right? All right, um, So the crucible is Arthur Miller's um, interpretation of the Salem Witch Trials in response to the Red Scare, right? Like, 
uh, McCarthyism because he was mm-hmm. victimized by that. And so mm-hmm. he wrote this play to be kind of like, okay, well, this is this is turning into a witch hunt, and you guys are treating this as guilty until proven innocent. Do you think it'd be easiest to like just discuss the like story points and then go into our wild feminist rage? Because I feel like we might not be able to write it in once we get there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So like Andrea said, it takes place in Salem, and I want to say 1693. And there are this group of young women, they go out in the woods, they live in a Puritan society, so they're not allowed to dance or whatever. They get caught dancing in the woods and basically freak out because they are going to get punished for the heinous crime of having fun. So I don't know. Okay, here's a question I have. So clearly the little girl that is like in a comatose state that makes everybody think that witchcraft is happening is faking it. But the other little girl in the other home is doing the same thing. Do they have time to like plan that or are they both just so freaked out that they just like, stop yeah. talking and moving mm-hmm. maybe th- maybe it was like a long-standing like if this ever happens this is what we're gonna do could be yeah because that I mean, is the suggestion right that they're lying i feel like comes clearer and clearer and like we can talk about individual girls and how they kind of feel about whether or not i they super want to talk that. about that yeah. yeah but it does come <laughs> across that it's like oh this isn't like there's not real witchcraft happening right right but yeah, before we go too much farther, I want to clarify for everyone that I did just watch the movie because of time constraints. So my first note on this scene is just, why no, no, what the f***? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Okay, I lied. We're not going to be able to filter out the patriarchy ranting. Listen. Okay. as When I read this as a kid, or I guess, like, yeah, in like the eighth grade, I hated her so much and, like, she's written to be, like, this totally deplorable character. One of the very first things she says is, like, this woman treated me like a slave. They have black people for that or something along those lines. And I'm like, that is horrifying. So you're aware that this treatment is terrible, but just only if you're white. Great. It's mm-hmm. going to be really hard to root for you. And then, obviously, throughout the course of the play, she does all of these unforgivable things. But, like, right off the bat, you're just like, Jesus, Abigail. But then even within that, you are, I mean, you do feel kind of bad for like the girls in the town in general, because they were dancing in the woods and they're like petrified of the consequences of that. Right. And the movie chooses to interpret that pretty, like they were yeah. like, I, we will reference that movie. So we're talking about the Daniel day Lewis, Winona Ryder crucible adaption. And like, we've all seen it at different points in our lives. So we will be referencing it. But that one she like at the beginning of the play, it's like Paris is like, well, I saw you guys dancing. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was shady. And then the movie's like, they are, <laughs> naked and dancing around a fire and oh and drinking blood yeah drinking blood yes. like it's like he chose the, that director I, don't, I can't remember who directed it chose to go with that interpretation they were very right. yeah, I was not expecting that <laughs> yeah <laughs> neither were like Abigail's uncle I guess <laughs> yeah I think I wrote in the group chat I was like what is going on yeah you're like this movie and I was like you didn't say it because we're so we're watching you know Hocus Pocus, and I knew Shandra was going to be watching the movie The Crucible as well, but she just sends, like, this message that says, what is this movie? And I'm like, 100%, she's watching The Crucible, and she's on the first date <laughs> right now. And she's like, yes. <laughs> it's pretty wild. I remember, oh, that's a good question. So what was your guys' first interaction with The Crucible as a story? I remember watching the movie in eighth grade, and it was a big deal because we had to get permission slips because there was nudity, guys. There was, like, four seconds of nudity. As our Hocus Pocus friends would say, you see some yabos. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, we'll get to that later. But I don't think I ever heard that term anywhere but in Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I know. And I'm glad of it, honestly. But yeah, um, yeah, so I 
saw the movie in eighth grade. We did a whole thing on the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, and then I want to say, yeah, we read the play in high school. Yeah. When did you guys first? Same. I Mine was, uh, I think, ninth grade. We read it. And we watched the movie, but we they just didn't do permission slips and skip the first scene. They're like, hey, they danced. And we're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually didn't. I haven't seen it. But then, like, you know, it's like everybody's like, what is it? What happens in the movie? And everybody's like, yeah, they're naked. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> but that's what I, I remember reading it, having the same kind of opinions, especially about Abigail and <sighs> thinking John Proctor. I'm like this tragic, flawed man. <sighs> I hate myself. Um, and then, <laughs> Don't hate yourself. like, it's spoiler alert, what you're guys, supposed to think. I hate John Proctor. It kind of, I forgot the play a lot, and that movie kind of stuck with me. So when I was rereading mm-hmm. this play, I was like taking like Joan Allen's interpretation of Elizabeth. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, Elizabeth. And then I'm reading it, and I'm like, they, they do Elizabeth bad in this play. And Joan Allen does a great job playing her and making her interesting and nuanced mm-hmm. and realistic. I think for a woman back then. But yeah, that, totally. yeah, that was my experience with it. I loved Joan Allen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved Elizabeth. I think um, <laughs> well, my very first remem- like recollection of it was in high school English. We like skip past it to go to other stories. And I always, it would always uh-huh. go past it. Um, we never actually read it. So my first really? actual reading of it or experience with it was like two nights ago when I read the, <laughs> when I watched the movie. <laughs> Wow. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm still having very like strong opinions that I need to work through. That's really interesting. I'm kind of glad because it's hard for me to, well, it's kind of interesting to have like a earlier perspective and a current perspective on it, but it's kind of cool to have someone that's coming in fresh to this. My only, I went into it knowing that I was going to hate the patriarchy reading it because of what you guys had said before. But I feel yeah. like it gave me a nice perspective of it, but also like conflicting, like, cause you're supposed to feel for John Proctor Mm. and everything and then you're supposed to hate elizabeth which i never did but i just think abigail was batshit crazy (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's something worth talking about too like how much did she well maybe she wait maybe we should wait later (laughs) i got about one scene into the summary before i totally derailed it i apologize no i think i derailed it this is gonna Um, happen every time yeah so (laughs) okay so um right so they get caught dancing um, two of the younger girls are basically like in a comatose state. The adults are all freaking out. They bring in a reverend to make sure that it's not witchcraft. And then um, basically Abigail feeling cornered decides to accuse uh, her uncle's slave Tituba of uh, forcing them to conjure spirits. And it is so upsetting and awful. And truly the first moment where I'm like, Oh, Ab- Abigail is a, piece of human garbage when Tituba confesses basically under the threat of death uh they like forgive her and so abigail uses that to like come in and be like oh i was doing it too and i want to be forgiven and i saw these women with the devil and they're all witches and it basically kind of starts off the the madness because all the other girls join in to kind of save themselves is that a fair summary of the beginning yep i'm so annoyed i i had Tituba notes and i can't find them are they just crying faces yeah Actually, I think it might have been. Oh, no. No, no, no. Never mind. Because when she's saying the devil would take her back to Barbados, and you're like, oh, my God, you poor thing. I wish <laughs> I wish the devil was here to take you back to Barbados, because the devil sounds so much better than Puritans. Yeah. For sure. And Arthur Miller. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So. Sorry, Arthur Miller. I'm, I'm going to be really mean. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh okay so then we kind of cut to john proctor and his wife you could tell they have a very cold relationship and you later realize that because he went and had an affair now listen i have a note here uh you guys may have a similar note so this is actually a like a conglomerate is a type of rock that's not the word i'm looking for what's the word when you put things together to condense them listen i combined a lot of notes of him saying shitty things to elizabeth (laughs) oh my gosh that must be a long list because everything he said i'm like you cheated on her i know exactly he's gaslighting her almost yeah because yeah yeah exactly so about john proctor he uh basically gets mad at his wife for being hurt that he had an affair uh she's again like 16 ish when he has sex with her uh he's in his mid-30s he is in a position of power he is her boss essentially it's not okay and his wife called him out for it and then there's this line which chandra didn't get to see the stage directions on because it's in the uh the play but it says proctor with a violent undertone do you doubt Uh, me yet and here's the thing the reason she gets upset and starts doubting him again is because he lied to her about the fact that he was alone with abigail and he's basically like oh my god get off my back and she's like i can't trust you and he goes into this thing about i should never have confessed to you in the first place when you accused me but i did because i'm a good person and now you're just punishing me for it and all this stuff it says something along the lines of, I should have been mad at you when you accused me, but I yeah. submitted and I was humble. And I'm like, oh, so you weren't giving in toxic masculinity for literally two seconds and then just totally mm-hmm. came back? Great. Yeah, wow, what a great, nice, such a nice guy. And then there's another line where he says, I see your, I see now your spirit twists around the single air of my life and I will never tear it free. Which reminded me so much of the... I don't know how dark we want to take this, but the current environment of people the me too movement and women coming forward and people being like he just made a mistake when he was young are you gonna try to ruin his life because he made this one mistake and you're like yes because you know what he ruined her life so i don't feel bad for him yeah what are your guys thoughts on john proctor and how he treats his wife great a plus husband of the year he is a piece of trash to elizabeth and also Mm -hmm. like yeah because i think it's so easy to forget because abigail is evil she's awful don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. easy to forget his part in it and especially the fact that she is a child uh Uh like he says there's this line where she says he took me from my sleep and put knowledge in my heart and like all that stuff it's like yeah he like he he probably initiated this on a child who Mm -hmm. like he was Mm -hmm. lusting after because his wife was so cold and like Uh he introduced 17 children to this life (laughs) right like he's like okay so we're gonna start this affair but she's also being raised in the society that's like if you do that you're going straight to hell so she's, totally. I don't know, maybe she's just embracing it because that's what she's been taught about what she's already gone through and what she's doing. And That's a very good point. It's, and he knew what would happen if, if what happened to them found out. He knew what would happen to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I just, I mean, she's definitely not faultless, but I mean, he initiated all of these issues, I right. believe. And what's uncomfortable is when she approaches him later, you know, basically trying to get with him again. He calls her a child. Like, he straight up calls her a child. Yeah. And is like, you're being silly. And she's like, how dare you call me a child? And I'm like, yeah, that's a little weird, dude. Yeah, she's like, you sweat like a stallion when you see me. And he's like, yeah, I look at you softly time to time. And I'm like, I'm literally going to throw up on this right now. But, 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 listen, guys, this whole situation's terrible. But it does lead to one of my favorite breakup lines in all of fiction, (laughs) which is, 
I think of you softly from time to time, but I will cut off my hand before I'll ever reach for you again, which <laughs> God, I wish I had used that in my last breakup. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like can uh, I don't buy. <laughs> <laughs> when when this happened in the movie, like um Winona goes to kiss gorgeous eyes. And he, <laughs> he like completely gropes him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fully. So yeah, that was kind of my first indication. I think like that scene where I was like, "Oh, something more is going on." Oh, I, like, I didn't know any of this. That's so exciting. Sorry, yeah. I'm just delighted by the fact that this is like a new story to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a very visceral reaction to this movie. <laughs> I don't blame you. Tell us more, tell us I, more about I still it, remember that last scene where he's giving oh. his last speech and then just the rope, you know, like it oh. falls. Like I remember oh. that vividly to this day. Same. Is that the one that sticks the most in your mind? That last one? Yeah, I think so. The and also with the rope. Also mm. Elizabeth facing that. the judge and yes! him facing the other way. Um and when like she, yeah, that whole thing goes down. Like that sticks in my mind very strongly. And I think it was well shot. Yep. Props. And that scene, even reading the play, is the one of the two most stressful scenes and stuck with me so intensely because it's just nothing, nothing stresses me out more than a situation that can be solved by proper communication. Dramatic mm-hmm. irony is terrible. Oh my mm-hmm. god, it's so stressful because you can see like as she walks into that room. So what happens if you haven't read the play or s- seen it? Um it's basically later down the road, Proctor's trying to convince the court that has been uh incarcerating all these people for witchcraft that like the girls are lying and he's trying to explain that Abigail's trying to get his wife thrown in jail because they had an affair and she wants to be with him and all this stuff. So Basically, he's like, my wife will never lie. She's never lied in her whole life. So the magistrate sets up the situation where Abigail and John Proctor are in a room facing the judge. They bring in Elizabeth. Their backs are to Elizabeth. And the judge essentially is like, did your husband have an affair with this woman? So walking, it's really well done. Because walking into that situation, you could totally see how Elizabeth would be like, oh, she accused him and I want to protect him. She wouldn't know that he had confessed and all of this stuff. So it's just this really tense scene where you can tell she's really struggling. And then she says no. And then, yeah, that moment that sticks with me is when he's like, turn around. He's like, I confessed. And she's like, oh, God. And then that's just. Yeah, that's oh, it's so heartbreaking. It's rough. And they do do such a good job. Those yeah. two act like Daniel Day-Lewis and Joan Allen again. Mm-hmm. I, and I also think that the way Daniel Day-Lewis does John Proctor's character, who, again, I hate, is a lot Ugh. more forgiving. Like he he plays totally. it in a more like. When he talks to Elizabeth, it's not so harsh. And it does seem like, oh, we're working through our relationship a lot better now than we were before. We're on a path to be mm-hmm. happy. And in the play, I just, I'm like, you guys are just really unhappy. You treat her terribly. Mm, I don't like this. Right. So um, I think, I don't know who it is, but when Elizabeth says no, and then, you know, everyone kind of goes into an uproar where jo- uh, John is like, I've already mm-hmm. told him. And she's like, oh, God, someone off screen of the movie goes of course that's how she would react like she's yes. not going to confess in court i think it was was it I, was it Hale? The, yeah the reverend <clears throat> it's a natural lie to tell or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. yeah that that part has stuck with me mm-hmm. in the last two days yeah we're like oh, of course like that's that's a reader reaction totally yeah because you're like how can you not see this is such a transparent situation to yeah. which i I had to find myself reminding myself multiple times. Some of the antagonists in the story genuinely believed 
that there were witches, that they're working for God, mm-hmm. that they're doing the right thing, that they're 100% in the right. I definitely think that a lot of them were like, oh, friggin' Putnam got his daughter to accuse someone of witchcraft to like take oh, their yeah. land. Yeah. And, like, a lot of their or, like, were lying. or like you're yeah. a oh, homeless he's... person, so you must be yeah. like, so sad. Uh, or Tituba, who has like literally nothing to protect her. Yeah, it's it's rough, but it is interesting to think about it. Some of the people are like, I'm I'm the vengeful, righteous kind of like the judge, and all of these people. It's just kind of like, oh, this is so so upsetting. Yeah. The the oh. thing that I had that I kept coming back to was they're they're hearing what they want to hear. Oh, totally. You know, through Abigail, like, why are they in a society that is very patriarchal? believing abigail a you know young girl yeah you know what i mean like they're believing all these young girls who have been afflicted um air quotes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's because they're assimilating into the system these men have built right Mm -hmm. like they're like yeah hey we're gonna say that witches are this issue and that women are more susceptible to it and all this stuff because that's a thing like that they maybe don't address in the play so much but everybody was always like women are because of who they are, more susceptible to witchcraft. Um, <sighs> and so, like, these girls are like, well, we're going to enter into that idea, and then we're going to, like, you know, perpetuate this pain on other people. But that's what I... Is that, like, what your yeah. question was? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't quite think. a question. It was more of, like, an observation. But yeah. I mean, internalized misogyny is a real problem, y'all. Good thing it's not still a problem 300 years later, guys, right? Glad <laughs> <laughs> we cleared that right up. I'm scared. I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> like to, There's not like... actual trials that are happening that are victimizing women and having society turn in on itself in a horrifying way with dire, deadly consequences, right? LOL. We're <laughs> <laughs> crying, cool, guys. So... Guys, nervous. guys let's, let's edit out the crying right now and get back to the podcast. <laughs> okay, let's go. All right, what were some other moments that stuck with you guys? Daniel Day-Lewis has gorgeous eyes. <laughs> Back yes. to the movie. First I and foremost. Enough. <laughs> a moment that, like, haunts me more than Daniel Day-Lewis's eyes haunt Chandra. Uh, and in a very different way, I assume. Um, <laughs> is uh, the scene with Mary Warren where she comes and tries to confess and do the right thing. Oh, yeah. And the girls start, like, repeating her and she starts panicking. Oh, that is definitely a scene that has stuck with me like my whole life, well, my whole life, my whole life post eighth grade, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Practically your whole life. Right? Which is an upsetting amount of time now that I think about it. Please don't talk about it. <laughs> oh, but speaking of which, Mary Warren, fellow spinster, shout out. She's like, I know that I'm single, but I'm 18 and I'm a woman. I was like, yeah. 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 Can you imagine 18 and still single? How appalling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yes, I can't mm. imagine that at all. So many great spinsters oh. to talk about today. Oh, love them. Can we talk about Mary Warren, my favorite character? Yes, keep going. Were we just okay. talking about her? I mean, can I go on a tangent? Yes. Oh, yes, please. Get on okay. that soapbox. Let's go. I think she's one one of, the, one of the most complex, interesting characters, also one of the most sympathetic characters, and she absolutely, at the end, does something that I really wish she hadn't done, but you can fully understand like, why, and you feel bad for her, even though you're like, no, Mary, why would you do this? Um, also, side note, she's clearly trying to, like, well, I think, she try, she like sees that people are dying, and she gets upset, and she tries to do the right thing for her own reasons, but also because John Proctor is urging her to for his reasons. 
But listen, John Proctor kind of treats her like garbage. So it's not like she's betraying a kindly for father sure. figure. He's, she's like, oh, yeah, this guy that I work for that regularly threatens to beat me. Yeah, I don't feel that bad, I guess. I kind of got the impression that she was more concerned about protecting Elizabeth. Totally. Yeah, because yeah. Elizabeth is clearly much nicer to her. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked the way that they played her in the movie because there's a lot of silent or like moments where she doesn't have lines where in the movie you get to see her reactions to things. Like, for example, in the opening scene, she's clearly hanging back when they're dancing and she uh, is really freaked out by the whole thing, essentially, and kind of follows along reluctantly, um, which isn't like a great character strength, but does kind of make her more interesting, which then leads me into who do you think... Like, to what level do you think some of these characters believed that there were witches afoot in Salem? Paris, Mm -hmm. I think, at the beginning, because of his denial of it with his daughter. True. I think that he's like, oh, there's witches up in here. Uh, The judge, right? Or one of the judges. No, yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) Judge Danforth? He's like, I'm going to get rid of all the witches in Massachusetts. Okay, yeah, I, I think, think he, he believes it. Yeah, I do think he believes it, but I think that I don't know how to verbalize this. I think he believes it because he's <laughs> such a jerk and he makes these judgments about people. And his he does have like, he can't make the connection to I'm saying this person's a witch because I don't like this about them. He yeah. can't make that connection, but that's what he's True. doing. You're totally right. Yeah, I think that at the beginning, Reverend Hale totally believes it, and then obviously does a 180. He's the mm-hmm. reverend that gets called in initially to see if there's witches, and he's responsible for making everybody believe that there are witches. And then as he sees reason and listens to John Proctor and Mary Warren and Elizabeth, he's like, oh my god, this was a terrible mistake. But at that point, it's basically gotten away from him. So he's an interesting character, too. But screw and, that guy. <laughs> and he is, a, and at the end when he's like, John, you've got to confess. Well, uh-huh. Also, don't even get me started on that confession. That crap. Bull oh, crap. That- no, do Go on. Gryffindor (laughs) mentality (laughs) of being like, no, I'm not going to confess because I want to prove something. But it is my name. But it's my name. And it's like, yeah, you also have like a crap ton of kids with this woman Mm -hmm. who you treat terribly and who is going to have a terrible life now. So how about you swallow (laughs) your pride for two seconds, confess, and just, I don't know, be useful. For once, in your also you're getting hung for witchcraft. So yeah, and then he's like, and then like the whole Rebecca Nurse doing it thing. I'm like, she's different from you, buddy. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. These are different situations. Yeah, she's. I love her. She's one of my favorite characters as well. Oh, but oh, can we go back real quick to these reverends here? Oh, please do. I have a society fan theory here. Ooh, go on. So I don't know about you guys, but I am convinced that Mike Pence. Was one of these guys, and he is Ugh, currently woo. immortalized and continuing his work of ruining women's lives. He look, look picture Mike Pence's face. I okay. literally just had a full body what shiver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because like his face just looks like a Puritan judge. Oh yeah, you're a descendant of Goody Good. I think I remember about her when I was like researching. They're like, oh, this, you're descended from her. I was like, cool, a witch, obviously. Never so got that cool. Hogwarts letter. She said when she wouldn't confess, and I think she said something to the guy who uh, sentenced her or accused her. She says, um, I am innocent, basically. This is not a direct quote. But then she was like, I hope you choke on your own blood. And that guy actually did choke on his what? own blood later. Like, you are kidding me. I'm not Wait, kidding Is this you. an in real life thing? No, this is, this is a for real speed thing. 
What? Uh, let me find the quote. Let me please hold. That's incredible. Um, while you're looking for it, that kind of reminds me of a scene in the movie that was not in the play. It's basically showing the escalation of the paranoia and accusations and danger in the town by showing uh, various odd happenings that like make people get accused of being a witch. So you get a small child looking at a guy as he walks by with his cart and then all of the logs fall off of his cart. And then, mm-hmm. oh my God, so sad. This little child ends up getting killed I for witchcraft. Know. What That's, the heck? Really and then horrifying. you get adorable George Anderson, who's this cute, sweet old man who like waves hello. And as he waves hello, fire that someone's building flares up. But the thing is, you see the guy throw kindling, tinder, kindling, <laughs> tin- tindling, little tiny, little tiny dry grass. Okay. <laughs> you see a guy throw that on the fire the dude waves and then the fire flares up so you're like well obviously you dum-dums i know you don't believe in science and you canceled christmas puritans but (laughs) but like it's the simple thing of cause and effect like i mean but that's putnam who accuses cute old man oh and he's so sweet oh it's so sad and then they kill him oh man that was that was heart-wrenching for me oh he's like oh you know who i am i'm your neighbor i i don't understand what you're saying i i didn't do anything to anyone and he's just so confused and sad and then dead that was that was the point in the movie where i started to get on my phone and play around with my games because i like if i kept focusing on that movie too much i was gonna throw my tablet across the room yeah yeah it's it's dark it's dark all right guys i have the quote (laughs) please yes okay so she was uh persecuted particularly by a reverend nicholas noise um and She said, so she was found guilty by the judges, um, including by him, and she yelled at him. She says, I'm no more a witch than you are a wizard, and if you take away my life, God will give you blood to drink. And 25 years later, he died from choking on his own blood. Oh, oh. my God! Dang! He was a uh, Andrea, you have probably the coolest ancestor. Yes! That I, I mean, I'm sorry she got murdered, but I'm glad she went out with a bang. I know. Her blood runs through my veins, guys. Awesome. Okay. Shout out to my dear friend and yours, uh, Chris Mather, who is a descendant of Cotton Mather's cousin. I forgot. Um, he is Cotton Mather wasn't mentioned in the play, but he was instrumental in uh, condemning lots of women to death. And I would just like to say to the ghost of Cotton Mather, guess what? Your great 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 nephew is a super nice feminist man who you would be very ashamed of, and therefore I'm very proud of him. Oh, that's so uplifting. Aww. That's so much better than everything else we've been talking about. I mean, we gotta, we got to bring up the roof a little bit, right? We know two people that are involved in the Salem Witch Trials, and they have been in the same room. That's yes! <gasps> oh my god, holy right? crap. Wait, so was Cotton Mather on the panel that con- con- condemned Sarah Good? I don't know. Did, did Chris's great-great-great-great-great-great-uncle condemn your great 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 witch <laughs> I, me, I don't know guys i will research this we'll follow up in next month's episode right. okay great like, that would be amazing that would be nuts so uh, uh going along on this like lighter note uh we were talking a little bit about the acting and the casting earlier i would like to say um mercy lewis who's one of the girls that was frolicking in the woods and then one of the girls who's accusing people of witchcraft you know one of abigail's buddies uh she is played by the same woman who plays, spoiler alert for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Halfrek the Vengeance Demon. Listen, guys, <laughs> this is my segment I like to call Everything's Coming Up Buffy. Origin stories. <laughs> yes, because it would make so much sense because her whole thing is vengeance against 
parents who don't treat their children well. I feel like that's on brand for a girl who meddled in witchcraft, wreaked horrible havoc on a town. And then obviously DeHoffrin Kane was like, do you want to be a demon? And she's like, hell yeah, I'm already pretty much a demon. And then boom, Buffy. And then to bring it all full circle, there's a great little aside in a late season episode of Buffy where Willow and Tara are watching like a documentary of the Salem witch trials. And Willow's like pissed because she's a witch. And she's like, these stupid judges with their less satanic than thou attitudes. And (laughs) it's pretty great. Just a couple of rapid fire things. Uh, one is where Giles or Reverend Paris is like, I'm a graduate of Harvard. You're not paying me enough. And yes. Giles is like, Hi, I see you're well-versed in ar- arithmetic. And you're like, sick burn, Giles. That part about where even in the even in um, Puritan England, or Puritan New England, being a graduate of Harvard <laughs> is still a big deal, like it is still today. super oh annoying. Elitist. Um, <laughs> totally. Two last comments. One... There's that really tense scene where Elizabeth essentially gets framed for sticking a needle in Abby's stomach because she has a poppet that Mary Warren made for her and it's got a needle in it. Mm-hmm. Listen, guys, I know it was like a very tense, upsetting, frustrating scene, but the amount of times that we heard adults say the word poppet <laughs> <laughs> was very distracting for me. They're like, what signifies a poppet? What signifies a poppet in my home? And I'm like, stop saying poppet. I don't know why, but this just tickles me. And last but not least, at the end, when stupid Judge Danforth is going to Elizabeth and he's like, it's going to be your fault if your husband dies. Are you made of stone? Are you so cold that you won't try to save him? You're the only one that can save him. And I'm like, dude, you could totally save him by being like, never mind, you're not a witch, you can go now. And yeah. then yet again, it's poor Elizabeth's fault that her husband dies. Yeah, because it, does it takes a cold wife to prompt lechery. And it's does like, it though? Eh. Does it take a cold wife or does it take an unfaithful, horny husband? <laughs> the latter. Mm. I mean, I think the real question is, does Judge Danforth even believe that John Proctor is, what is it, consumed by the devil or whatever? I think no, he's just, like, going along with it. Like, yeah, by the point, end, he's like, oh, we've, we've killed so many people, so we've got to just kill him. <laughs> got to yeah, keep killing him. Yeah, see this through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 okay. Um... I feel slightly compelled to clarify the reason we're so pissed at John Proctor and at Arthur Miller, at least, I mean, speaking for myself, but I think, you know, let me know if you disagree, is so the book, the story, the play, The Crucible, is a really compelling story. It really shows the effects of mob mentality and uh, all of these horrible things in society that can cause awful stuff to happen. But in an extra textual way, it's strange that this phenomenon that mostly victimized women in a society that constantly victimized women there's a male protagonist in that all of the villains are women all right shandra take us out of this abyss so for crucible fan fiction it's good and bad it's better than treasure island (laughs) which by the way listeners at home we actually filmed (laughs) filmed Ah, recorded an episode that we alluded to in our intro, Muppet Treasure Island, Treasure Island, and the audio for my mic was gone. So we're going to redo that next month. And this is our first episode. Stay tuned. So if we were to that, that episode, happened? oh, that absolutely happened because of me. Uh, and it's obviously because you're a witch. So uh, making just... my ancestors proud. Heck, right. yes. All right. Okay. All right. So here we go. I only looked at AO3 because of time constraints. But. 
There are 32 figs in the Crucible under theater. Some notable crossovers I found. Real actor fix, so actor, real people fix. A lot of them are British actors. Uh, crossovers with The Hobbits, crossovers with Supernatural and Good Omens. There good was Omens, several. really? Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't the new game in uh, Terry Pratchett book? Yes. What? Okay, so those were the crossovers that I found were interesting. Um, a notable tag is Abigail Williams takes no motherfucking prisoners. Only servant prisoners so there are several John Proctor and original female character fanfics which my note on this is as if he doesn't screw up enough women's wives lives he has to they have to create more for him okay as a fanfic newbie can you explain to me what in the ever loving flip you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) which part original female character yes Okay, so that is John Proctor and an original character made up by the author. So they make up a character. Oh, 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 what? Oh, why? Hey, no, I have read some great OCs. No, 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 no. sorry. Yes, they're great, but not in the context of, not in relationship to John Proctor. Exactly, I don't don't mean that as a a phenomenon. I mean, like, why would you, exactly what Chandra said, why would you subject more women to John Proctor's? Okay, yeah, I'm here for that. No, these these poor women that are fictional, I feel for them deeply. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then there's a nonfiction essay that I want to read on why the witch is terrifying. Ooh. Ooh. Sounds fascinating. Um, a few instances of, or that I found were people who wrote a story or something for their English class and then ended up posting on AO3, which is really interesting. Ooh. But it makes sense for something that is widely read around schools. No kidding. Unless you're at my high school. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I found a John Proctor, John Hale thick, which I was very excited about because there is a scene in the movie where they are totally giving each other the eyes. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <sighs> so should we raise the, raise the excitement level and go to Hope's Focus? And it's going to be between this little girl and this cat. Yes, it is. But I'm telling you. I read mm. this really great thing, and it aged her up, like, post-movie. Um, I was actually going to talk about this. I'm so glad you brought this up. Um, she, Danny is 17 and Binks and his little sister are reincarnated and they show up at her house as she's passing out candy and <gasps> Emily get, is like asking for candy and she is like, what the f*** is Binks? That's so cute. her mind and it is so cute and she's like, you came back. Oh my god. Alright, alright. Send, send it to me. That's so great. That is adorable. Zachary okay. Binks. <laughs> okay, there are 61 Hocus Pocus fan fictions on AO3. Solid. Not nearly enough, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, notable crossovers include Once Upon a Time, Supernatural, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings. And my Whoa. especially exciting one, NCIS. <laughs> because. <laughs> what? Because the guy that plays Binks plays Timothy McGee on NCIS. Oh! <laughs> you can't see it, but Sarah just lost her damn mind. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. nerdy dude, right? I've seen like four episodes of that show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's a crossover between NCIS and Hocus Pocus, 
and I didn't get to read it yet. I mainly didn't read it because it was a pairing I didn't really care about. <laughs> it, it was Binks is reincarnated into Timothy McGee, which is awesome. I am whoa. Okay, what's this? Man, so there's a lot of creative, uh, like genre bending kind of stuff going on in fanfic. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably a very obvious statement to both of you. So what did we? Want like to I said, I'm it. I swear. Did we what? want to know like his real name on the IMDb? Yes. I just wanted to see him. His name's Sean Murray. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Zachary Binks yeah. is a way cooler name, but fine. So that is fanfiction corner for this episode. Okay. Love it. I want to address something here. Just right off the bat, in that I feel like we're in trouble. No, 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 no. It's just something I find very interesting. In that, when they made these kinds of movies, these like teen made-for-TV movies in the '90s, uh, this was made in '93, the year I was born. Um, oh my god! It, oh yeah. When when they did this, they actually cast children that were the right age, like because yeah, now. We have like Thank 25 you. year olds playing these 16 year olds, but because of that, I've been thrown off. So I was watching this, and I'm I see like Max, and he's like this like scrawny kid, he's doing whatever, and then I couldn't take Max seriously. Yeah, and then we get Nor to do. Allison, and I'm like, oh, yes. so they cast a 25 year old woman? Yes, yes. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh wait, no, she's actually that age. Like I went and I did the math. She's the right age. But just okay. remember how in high school the girls just like get taller and older, look older than the guys, and like we even out later. This movie represents that so real, and I appreciate it. I'm so glad you brought this up because I have no fewer than okay, well, two notes about how this woman. So there's a point, an early scene in the movie where they're in school and they're talking about Halloween, and Max is like, "I'm from California, and I'm too cool to believe in Halloween." And... <laughs> Uh, she's like, uh, actually, Halloween's based on All Hallows Eve. Like, people come back from the dead, and then he like folds up a full piece of notebook paper, hands it to her, and says, "In case Jimi Hendrix comes back, give me a call." In front of his entire class, and I was like, like "That is hella bold, right?" Max has got moves. Was my initial note, and then I put dot dot dot. She's got good rejection moves, though, because in the next scene, they're going mm-hmm. home, and she says, trick or treat, and hands him a paper, which he thinks is her, he thinks is her number, but is actually her giving him his number back. <laughs> and so, it's my so comment on this is like, she's got good moves rejecting men, but that makes sense, and she's clearly almost 30, and has probably <laughs> had some experience. <laughs> right? Well, it doesn't help, too, that remember, like... The like nice girl fashion of the early nineties too is like Doc Martens in a big sweater, and it's just yes. like you dress like you're older. And I did that my whole childhood, so I identify. But like oh, it's sure. just that's how it was, and I think we forget that watching like the new teen shows like Riverdale, where they look the same. I'm like, no, girls are mm-hmm. always awkwardly taller than the guys. Mm-hmm. They like hit puberty first half the time, so they have diabos uh-huh. and. <laughs> It's just so awkward. Okay, you said it twice. Can we not say it anymore? <laughs> no, we have a we have a four Yavos quota because I just said it a third time. Also, you have to have an even number, at you know, ideally. Okay, well, somebody else can take that burden on. To hit it will not me. Oh, it will oh, not be okay. me. Should we just can, should we explain the story of Hocus Pocus? Okay, yeah, we're past that. Okay, we're before we get lost in the Yavos. Let's, let's yeah, somebody give us the recap. I had to talk about the age gaps. Okay. Uh, Chandra? Oh, sure. I guess. Um, Hocus Pocus. 
<laughs> this is gonna be so bad. Um, Hocus Pocus is about three witches, um, the uh, I believe it's the 17th century, who come back to Salem in 1993 on Halloween after some dum dum named Max lights a candle. Not um, a steady dum dum though. What a dumb virgin. A dum dum that has never had sex because for sure. Do you want to know what my uh, tally is on the amount of time they say the word virgin in this <laughs> children's movie from 1993? Any guesses? Any predictions? Um, well, I'm gonna say 20. Oh wow, you both went a little high. Price is Right rules. You would not win nine times. But since the movie's 96 minutes long, that's a pretty strong average of yeah. commenting on virginity. It's like, what, one night saying virgin once every 10 minutes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we, <laughs> Look, we, we guessed like, so high, here. too. I think we both guessed so high because it's just so present in the movie at all times. That like totally. This is all happening because some virgin lit a candle, guys. It's the last line of the movie. I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. And you're like, okay, guys. <laughs> all right. All right. But, Speaking sorry. of... Can I talk about the fact that this is a children's movie sure. from 19 Disney children's movie from 1993. And I have some moments that are really freaking me out. Let's hear it. Please, please tell us about okay. it. A two notable moments. And it's like when they're at the beginning, when they're, when they're putting stuff into the cauldron and Ooh, much all, like the they crucible. have dead man's toe, dead man's toe, dead man's dead toe. Man. Oh yeah. Um, they just happen to have a whole bunch of fresh dead man's toes. Uh-huh. That actually wasn't one of them because the second one was, and then a piece of the person's tongue, and they all like bite off a bit of their top <laughs> and put it in there, and I am horrified. Yep. So out. I do not remember that. Understandable. Quick question: Is one of the disturbing moments from the opening scene not that a child gets straight up murdered before her eyes? <laughs> oh no, that too. There's so many, and also <laughs> Billy. What is her name? Billy Bones. <laughs> <laughs> character. Spoiler alert for Treasure Island. Oh. Also, like, guys, I promise I think about things that aren't fashion, but like the billowy blouse oh, that we get bless. on Thackeray in this opening scene. I'm just like, what? I mean, speaking of both of those things, fashion and Treasure Island, excuse me, uh, Mr. Jim Hawkins, look to Sir Thackeray Binks for how to rock a low pony. Oh, oh. <laughs> As you guys will hear in our forthcoming Treasure Island Muppet Treasure Island episode. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 real bad. This one's pretty good. I oh, also fun fact. Um I for the longest time was okay, I was obsessed with this movie as a child. And I totally I was like watching it today and the opening credits were coming up over the beautiful music and uh Omri Katz is the boy who plays Thackeray. No, the boy who plays Max. No. Yeah. And I, for the longest time, wanted to name a kid Omri. I thought it was the coolest name in the world. <laughs> I was like, that's super dope. I also wanted to name a girl Danny. So obviously... This movie has had a lot of influence on your life. I it truly has. And speaking of which, what is your guys' experience with this movie? Did you rent it from your local blockbuster on a, a frequent basis? <laughs> now, Andrea, blockbuster. <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I was a blockbuster. And I checked it's- out Space Jam once a week. And my parents... <laughs> Gave us crap about it, and now I know why. Because that is a bad uh, movie. That movie is hot, hot, delicious garbage it is that we will rough. definitely be talking about on this but, podcast. Yes. I saw Hocus Pocus with uh, at a friend's sleepover because she ho- okay, first of all she was crazy rich, and she had this giant house that she would invite like all of us over, and it was <laughs> her birthday was in October every year, and she would have a sleepover. <laughs> oh really? Her birthday is <laughs> October. <I'm>, year. <laughs> 
she would have a Halloween themed party. It was Halloween themed and it was her birthday party because her birthday was in October. And uh, mm-hmm. the first year I went, we watched Hocus Pocus and I was probably about eight. No, I was probably like six or seven. I was young. Uh-huh. And I remember being like, I am so dangerous and edgy watching this really scary Halloween movie with oh, my friends. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I also watched Alien at like three, so I don't know why I thought this was edgy. <laughs> that's a good point. But that is a good point. Wait, wait, wait. So sorry to interrupt. This wasn't the one movie that your mom wouldn't let you watch no. after watching like every horrifying film ever created by man. She's like, oh yeah, go ahead and see Requiem for a Dream, but don't watch, what was it, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Listen, this, was, this is what happened to me. As a child, I was exposed to high amounts of violence in movies. Like, I was very... Before I could talk, I was watching dinosaurs eat people. I was watching aliens in space killing each other. It was fine. But my parents made me cover my eyes for the rats of unusual size and the Princess Bride. (laughs) Yes! Yes, yes, yes. So when I finally uncovered my eyes, I was like, this is going to be real messed up, guys. (laughs) And I look at these rats, and I was like, is that a moldy Muppet? Thank you, (laughs) Mom and Dad. So, side tangent over. Yeah, we watched that, and I just was like, oh, this is a fun movie. And then it kind of had that nostalgia factor of having fun with friends, and I watched it every few years after that, you know, in October again. And it's a fun movie. I enjoy it. Uh, I remember always thinking, though, if you had to choose between Max and Binks, yeah, Max, you can go home. Like, oh, yeah, sure. there's Binks. clearly yeah. a better choice here. That's the, that's what I vividly remember. <laughs> Zachary Binks and his feminine oh. beauty probably kept me in the closet for... <laughs> We all remember. We all will you. always remember that scene where he gets run over. Like nobody forgets that. Oh, so tragic. My poor cat had to watch that scene yesterday. I know you oh. sent a Snapchat. Poor baby. What? Sarah wouldn't know. She doesn't have Snapchat. Um, no, she sent me a pic. Nope. You texted me about it though. Yes. How did I know about this? Oh, because I'm a witch. Um. <laughs> so, um, my experience with Hocus Pocus, it's like. I, I just watch it every year. Like, it's tradition. You always watch it in October. That's that's what gets you hyped for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Or it gets totally. me hyped. And I honestly, despite being born before the movie was released, I don't remember a life without it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, fair. Same. Yes. It's definitely an integral part of my childhood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for my uh, belated birthday bash, I'm thinking about having people over for a uh, Hocus Pocus drinking game. And it was going to be take a shot every time someone says the word virgin, but that seems dangerous now having tallied that up. So Probably good thing you pre-watched it then. Right, 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 right. Uh, no, I, I absolutely adore this movie. The physical comedy in it is so good. Like, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and woman who plays Mary, whose name I can't remember, I'm so sorry. They're, oh, like, yes. just their facial please, expression please and, like, their background acting. Um Sarah Jessica Parker's finest role, if I may be so bold as to say. Um, her name is Kathy Najimy, N-A-J-I-M-Y. Yes, yes, she's great. Um, and I would like to say on the note of their like delightfully campy acting, the way in the opening scene when Thackeray Bing sneaks in and tries to steal his uh, sister back, the way that when he says, Ugh, a boy is very relatable to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to make a shout out to Billy um, Butcher. Is that his like Butcherson? Butcher. Billy Butcherson for oh, his breakout role in Shape of Water. <laughs> Wait, it's the dude, it? it's the fish man from Shape of Water. What? Are you Doug Jones? Me? So, wait, wait, Doug Jones plays Dead Billy. Yeah. No way. Yeah. 
You know who he also plays? One of the gentlemen in Hush, one of the greatest episodes of Buffy he of all does. time. Whoa. And speaking of bringing it back to Buffy, which is the new segment name that I just decided on. I love it. Uh, I was watching. Okay, so the two two of the delightful characters in this movie are two bullies, one of whom calls himself Ice. Ice, the actor who plays Ice, also plays a bully named Larry in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who oh, later becomes... That's familiar. Yes, it blew my mind. And he stops being a bully, guys, when he comes out of the closet and he realizes that his toxic masculinity was overcompensating for the fact that he loves dudes. And wow. then he dies that horribly. That's like a very familiar plot sign. Yeah. Oh, it's, great. it's season two, three, but... Uh, that's been bringing it back to Buffy with Sarah. <laughs> uh, can I have a bring it to back with... Bringing it back to Buffy with Shannon real quick. Please. I have a note that says Sarah Jessica Parker equals Drusilla. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a like a less dark. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That explains why I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, I don't know. I think her, like, there's something about the aura of these two witches. Just. Or, uh, the witch mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> the vampire. These two <laughs> women. <laughs> Um, uh, that just kind of, they have the same vibe to me. They do, and I love it. Oh my god, that's amazing. Who's your guys' favorite witch, dare I ask? I mean, Can you choose? They're all iconic, but like, Winifred is is like the leader, right? And Bette Midler yeah. is just like was born for Ugh, this. What a queen. Uh, agreed. I think mine might be Sarah. She's, she's just super funny and the most entertaining to watch when she's just very Drusilla-like, just... <laughs> waving around in the background just doing crazy stuff <laughs> yeah Has some great lines the a muck a muck a muck line is <laughs> evergreen and classic mm-hmm. i love yes. it so much uh, one of the main sets in this entire thing is a museum a museum of witchcraft yeah i don't know how, how all those artifacts also, remained intact because those villagers probably would have burned that place to the ground but it's fine mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. those books like that book with the eye mm, <laughs> i need one it's just so cool <gasps> You need one? I need one for my goth house. Guys, like, you don't understand <laughs> how much of my house is just, like, just Halloween. It's insane. Pumpkins. I have my plant sun in a, in a pumpkin. I have my basic bath and body fall candles. I need that book, guys, for this house. I straight up almost tried to smell that candle, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was, when they were talking about it, I think Allison is like, oh, and this book is made out of human skin. And my first thought was like, gross. But then I was like, you know what? They actually did that. So I have seen one that's been suspected, but hasn't been confirmed. I don't like that. Uh, There's only one way to find out. Fry that baby up. (laughs) (laughs) See if it tastes like pork. Gross. Sorry. I was just going to say I have a little fashion. Oh, yeah. More Uh, fashion. Things from the 90s. Uh, The tie-dye shirts. That yes. in the opening scene. Absolutely. Iconic. Um, I need Allison's red coat that she wears at the beginning. It's red, it has, like fringe at the bottom, and then she oh. lifts up the hood. Yes, and she it does. Is pointed. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need it. That's pretty great. Very good stuff. So at one point, when Max gets rejected by Allison and uh, gets bullied and gets his shoes stolen by Ice and not Ice on their way home from school, on his way home from school. And he gets to his room and he's pretending to make out with his pillow. And then his sister jumps out of the closet and is like, LOL, you're weird. Basically, he's having a bad afternoon. 
So there's this great moment where Danny, his little sister, is like, you're going to take me trick-or-treating. It'll be fun like the old days. And he goes, the old days are dead. (laughs) All right, Taylor Swift. So I want to (laughs) know, what is one of the angstiest, moodiest things you have ever uttered to someone as a teenager? (laughs) Um, I couldn't even possibly know. Come on, you got to have something. You know... Like, when I was a teenager, I was very not angsty. Like, I feel like I went through that stage when I was about three. And um, <laughs> so we'll just go to so that. in 2008. So, <laughs> how dare. Um, <laughs> we, I just remember my mom telling me this story of, like, she, like I, I didn't want to take a bath or something. And I yelled at her, like, I yelled, I hate you. And the Care Bears hate you, too. <laughs> which, which, by the way... Is like really mean because the Care Bears like love everyone. They are nice to even the mean kids. So like I blasted my mom with the meanest co- like meanest comment I could. I'm sure she still feels that too. She day. does. She brings it up all the time. <laughs> anyway, so that's my angst for you. Um, I want Max's bedroom because it has that whole like stairs into. I don't know if it's a loft oh, or so cool. I want it so bad. That was like my childhood dream was to have a cool bedroom. Why did so many 90s kids movies have pet tarantulas and amazing bedrooms? <laughs> that was the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, nope. Like, yeah. Like, and, and then like, so, okay, this is off topic, but no matter like what their income was, it was always a huge room. Like I was watching another Cinderella story yeah. with Selena Gomez. <laughs> oh, God. Which on is, Netflix. Guys, it's rough. Yeah, I was watching on Netflix in the background. I was doing homework and she's like this... Cinderella poor girl and she has this giant room like this huge room it's like wait and she has like all this cute furniture and stuff and I'm all like that's as big as my apartment okay you're like this is not from Ikea yeah and every yeah anyway that's off topic but yeah that's a huge thing in all movies that I'm like this teenager's room oh my gosh with their personal computer and tv Mm -hmm. Uh, okay first of all I know I just made fun of you for being young but did you just say personal computer (laughs) I sure did maybe you're old I sure did. I'm an enigma. Kind of throwing back to the angstiness of this teenager, how much dramatic leaning and falling is in this movie. Like, angrily <laughs> leaning against various posts and oh. flinging yourself across a bed. My gosh, that's Which, my... by the way... Go on. Go on. Go on. No, sorry. That's, like, my <laughs> biggest pet peeve for, like, male characters in books. And it's like, and he was leaning against the doorway. He was leaning against a pole. And I'm just like, why can't they stand up? Sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you what, if I'm ever in a social situation where I'm leaning, it's because I'm like, I feel so awkward. I don't know what to do with my body. Is this wall part of my body? It is now. Can we talk about the bus driver? Oh. 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 Must we? Must we? I feel like we must to tie it back into the crucible. That guy on the bus. We've all had it. Many times. So many times. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it makes all of us like get this icky feeling and we're just like, can we forget it ever happened? Right. Although, and to be perfectly Sarah, like... fair, <laughs> Sarah was into it. And I mean Sarah the witch, not yeah. Sarah the me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah got yeah. to drive a bus. Can you imagine a witch from 1690-whatever getting to drive the bus? Like, she was probably stoked. Uh, I mean, he did make a joke. One of the classic, like, this is a joke I did not understand when I was a child. Because basically, the Sanderson sisters are trying to find a way to get children so that they can suck their souls out so they can be young forever. Important plot point that I don't think we have mentioned heretofore. But, um, oh, yeah, we haven't talked about plot at all. <laughs> yeah. But um, then he... Which is so the bus pulls up. 
And they're like, what is this magical device? And he's like, it can take you to your deepest desires. And then, because uh, he has like a, I want to say faux Brooklyn accent, even though it should be a Boston accent. I don't know. Maybe I heard it wrong. But anyway, so they're like, we desire children. And he's like, it might take me a couple of tries, but I could give it a shot. And I was like, I did not understand. Like, that is a truly oh, no. well-written double entendre to like, as a child, I was like, oh, so it's going to take him a while to find the kids. That, that, that checks out. Yeah. No, it's true. You don't pick up on that. And then when you're older again, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing yeah. I was concerned about was, was he following his bus routes? Why was the bus empty? <laughs> was it off hour? Oh my as gosh. A, a bus rider. What was, what was his mm, How about a nice relationship? I love when movies and books and stories of any kind have really good sibling relationships in them. They warm my heart. And I think it's very sweet that like, while there's a romantic interest in the story, the story is not circled or like centered around it at all. It's mm-hmm. basically like a subplot to Thackeray Binks basically trying to like make up for losing his sister. And then Max and his sister like bonding, uh, I mean, trauma bonding, but you know, fun kid <laughs> movie trauma bonding. And it's just they have a lot of really sweet moments. It's very they have a very realistic, contentious like I'm a teenager and you're a little kid, but like clearly they both love each other. I just think it's very sweet and it makes me very happy. Yeah, I like that. I think that's probably the best dynamic in the show. And having having it happen at the beginning where like you know he's lost his sister and then those two like contrasting together. It's just like this is interesting mm-hmm. and heartwarming to see that he's driven to get revenge for his sister, and then Max is. Realizing how much he loves and cares for his sister. Yeah. Yes. Like, don't let this happen to you. This was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so sweet. It's genuinely like a very well-written, good story. I like it so much. Yeah. I think that's why it stands the test of time. Like, it's like a Disney mm-hmm. Channel kind of movie that people still love. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Um, um, oh, also, if we're going to go and veer into the mildly pretentious, well-written category, there is some... <laughs> great expository dialogue listen i've watched a lot of bad movies and seen such bad expository dialogue there was one bad christmas movie that i watched last year wherein a woman was on the phone with her mother presumably who she had spoken to at some point in the last two decades just after work casually calling her and gave her a rundown of every bad relationship he'd ever had she's like well you know so and so that i dated where this exact thing happened and then so and so or this exact thing happened i was like this is not how people converse like can you imagine if i called one of you guys up and was like here's my life story thus far what'd you have for dinner like for real <laughs> it's not it's not how you talk so to often. each other yeah it happens so often yes mm-hmm. so it was so good in this movie because uh the witches get resurrected because a virgin lights a candle and um they the two other sisters that are not bet midler are kind of dum-dums in their own delightful ways and they're like just potching around doing their thing. And uh, Winifred's like, okay, dummies, let me lay it out for you. This is how we got back. If we don't get the lives of these children and find my book to do this potion, mm-hmm. by the time the sun comes up, we will die forever. And like, it's just, it's yeah. done in a really, like, funny, natural way. And I was like, yes, that's how you do it. That is how you do it. I just, and they're I, like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, what? They're so funny. Um, the uh the river of the the black river that is pavement although one minor nitpicky point they have all these hilarious moments where they don't understand what a bus is or a road is or a sprinkler system all of these things that it makes sense that they don't know what they are 
Then toward the end, when she's chasing down Max, who's driving a car, she goes, pull over. I need to see your learner's permit. I'm like, excuse me. Yeah, no. You don't know what a road is, but you understand the intricacies of learning how to drive? (laughs) Also, along this thing, there's a scene where I think uh, Mary is trying to sniff out kids, and she's sniffing out, I think, the lobsters. And she yes. goes, oh, no, wait, there's a hint of margarine and olive oil. And she wouldn't know what those are. That's true. So that was my, like, that's not right. That yeah, was this is anachronistic. But <laughs> one of my, uh, I'm not buying it. turning it from that a little bit, though, that made me, that reminded me for some reason, trains, a term coined by Chandra. Yeah. That means a lot of different connections in the mind leading to what looks like a stark change of subject. But um, Love it. <laughs> I love when they go to the house and the guy dressed up as the devil is there and they're like, oh, yeah, our boss. <laughs> I <laughs> it's love so it. It's so funny. It's so good. Oh, that seems amazing. Oh. And then when they're like, oh, he married Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh, oh Lord. Okay. So what are you guys' favorite parts of it? That's mm. a, the classic song. I put a spell on you. Oh yeah, that's we so haven't even talked about that. So good. Is that actually Sarah Je- Jessica Parker singing? I don't know. I've been wondering that too. I love that, that song. What a banger! <laughs> what a real banger! <laughs> I listened to it three times. Shit! Oh yeah, I got distracted. No, that's <laughs> definitely Bette Miller singing. Yeah, I was gonna because say because she's yeah. a singer in a I movie. What did you call it? Trains? Where I was thinking that yeah. song first, total yeah. banger. And then I wondered if Sarah Jessica Parker sang her spell song. And then that's yeah. what got stuck in my head. If okay. you guys must know. Okay. Train. <laughs> it's a great real term. Yes. But did I, I yeah. use it right? You did. That yeah. is a great part. Great. We all love, we all love Mary on that vacuum cleaner. So. Yes. What a Wait, queen. Why what a queen. was the vacuum cleaner running though? Like, why was it like. <laughs> Magic. Come on. Ask Neil deGrasse Tyson. We don't know. <laughs> that was the one thing that really, truly bothered me. Like, I can get away with the bargain and olive oil thing, but that one was not having it. Oh, man, that's pretty good, though. I didn't even think about that, honestly. Good good catch. Can you? Can either of you guys see a can of that type of salt without immediately thinking of Hocus Pocus? Yes. The salt yeah. that she makes a circle with? Really? Can. Wow. <laughs> well... All right. Uh, I have because asked what I think about is when I was in elementary school, we all had to bring in an empty salt container like that. And I remember my mom being like, whoa, what do we do with the salt inside of it? And <laughs> it didn't give you enough time to like empty out a salt. And um, we made like little Abraham Lincoln hats out of it. So that's what I always think of when I see that salt. Shout out to this movie passing the Bechdel test with flying colors. Oh, Yay. Really? We're improving, yeah. guys. We're improving from the crucible. I do have a note that says so many hangings. Sweet. Emotionally raw from all the crucible hangings by the yeah. time you see them. Oh, God, so dark. Yes. Well, the hocus pocus hanging scene is way more fun. Way yes. more laughs and giggles. <laughs> way more fun. I also want to point out that uh, apparently the intricate strategy of ducking or running away from a slowly swooping witch did not occur to any of the characters in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Several, several shots of the witches swooping at them and then being like, ah! <laughs> like holding for a solid yeah. four to five seconds until they get right. swooped up. 
Oh my gosh. When, when Winnie swoops down to get Danny, Danny had time to move it. So much time. <laughs> so much time. I mean, she's probably tired. They spend a good three quarters of the movie running, but still. Oh, probably one of my favorite jokes is when they lure the witches into the, I guess, industrial size oven that every high school has. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and they, they do it using like a, a learning French cassette tape. Now, Andrea, cassette tape. <laughs> Uh, again, how dare I had the Care Bears turn the water off when you're through soundtrack. The, no, soundtrack. to emotionally assault your mother. Cassette tape. I know. I'm like making all these Care Bear connections for you. I had a cassette tape. I went to Blockbuster and got Space Jam. Well, you are truly a 90s kid. I am a 90s for the, kid. For the listeners at home, Andrea is what, three years younger than us? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly this is like obscene i am one of you and i and i will say i'm the youngest of three girls so like my sisters were very 90s so i was raised in like the 90s because like when sure. people are like nine born in in the 90s rather than the late 80s they're like were you really a 90s kid i'm like yeah i was man watch yourself yeah, yeah. hey why don't you ask my tamagotchi bitch yeah <laughs> guess what i had one but my favorite joke uh before we derailed it by mocking your youth um <laughs> They lure them in with that like learning French cassette tape and then they slam them in. They think they burn them to death. They go home and they celebrate and snuggle. And when the witches basically survive that and bust out of the oven, Bette Mittler is doing the, the French English repeating thing. And she's yeah. like, bonjour. I don't know how to speak French. Hello. I want my book. <laughs> I love that. Because it is for sure something that would be on a beginner language tape and she's spending this whole movie looking for her book and it's just so solid and I love this movie so much. Great. Agreed. Okay, we're so gonna... Does anyone have any last last thoughts about Hocus Pocus? Uh, oh, did you guys say your favorite parts? Yeah. Favorite part? Yeah, the, the gym scene where she, I put a spell on you. Oh, right on. Sarah takes it back to the music. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. All right. If you guys will allow. Mm-hmm. So our our idea is to recommend something blindly to a stranger with no caveats whatsoever. You can't be like, because this or that. So I would like to set up a scenario in which this would ever possibly happen. So let's say there is a uh, a talking cat that approaches you and comes up to you and yes. says, the only way you can break a spell and turn me human again is a long story. Don't ask me about it. I just need you to do this one favor. Can you recommend one witch-themed piece of media for me to watch? Hocus Go. Pocus. He suffered enough. Mm-hmm. Hocus Pocus. Um, for sure, Hocus Pocus. Yeah, for sure. No hesitation. Right. Yes. If I go into recommending The Crucible to anyone, anything, any situation, I will need caveats. Because I do think it's worth interacting with. I think it's worth watching the movie or reading the play. But I would like to be like, this is why I'm recommending it to you. Yeah, Yeah. it's honestly very good. It's really compelling. I've read it probably four times at this point. I've seen it twice. And I actually got to see it live. And it was really good. So it's a play that I really, really enjoy. But just for through like a modern lens it's a little bit cringy which i mean fair enough it was written in the 50s but it it's i think yeah as as it's uh, its own standing piece of fiction it's it's very well done but god it is hard to consume a piece of literature that's a bunch of white dudes condemning women to death because they're like 
we don't believe you. Bye. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough. Do your I mean, do your mental health a favor and watch some Hocus Pocus, where the witch ladies are badasses, and yes, they die, but man, do they live a good life. Yes, yeah, and they're actually evil. Like they're actually doing evil things. They're exactly. not just like living their life. That's cool. I think you need you need caveats with uh, the Crucible because you don't want the person to watch it and take it at face value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even Andrea being like, "Oh yeah, McCarthyism," I was like, "Oh, that opens up so much." Of the yeah, movie. totally, totally. Yeah. and um, I for sure took it at face value uh, the first time I watched it. I mean, I hate it. I mean, Abigail is probably one of the most hated characters uh that i had read for a long time and now i read it i'm like well you're clearly written to be a deplorable human but you're Mm -hmm. also the victim of this garbage society that i would like to reiterate again canceled christmas because it was too fun so (laughs) hell yeah i would sneak out yeah (laughs) yeah so we went to salem and it was amazing it was everything's witches it reminded me of when I went to Stratford-upon-Avon in England and they buy into the whole Shakespeare thing where all the like company or like all the shops are named after Shakespeare puns. That's how yeah. Salem is. Everything is like named which puns or whatever. And there's like five museums. It's amazing. I and, uh, love that. Yeah. <laughs> if that was my town, I'd be like, yes. It's so bad around Halloween. They have so many witch tourists and everything that most of the like, what are they called? The people that stay there all the time. Like Residence? the people that live there, yeah. <laughs> they leave town during Halloween because it gets so crazy. Can we all go on a pilgrimage to walk the feet of Andrea's ancestor? <laughs> yes, let's go. Yes. Okay, so we did it. Right. So if you would like to hear more about our podcast or interact with us at all, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Clashy Spinsters. Um, if you would like to send us an email, we are at clashypodcast at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. If you're, if you're a witch and you would like to se- send a kind spell our way, we would appreciate that very much. Or if you're not a witch and you would like to send some recommendations for things for us to discuss, we would appreciate that too. Real quick, want to send a thanks out to Lauren Beltramo for designing our awesome logo and Chris Marino for writing our sweet little jingle. Thanks a bunch. And to all you humans and reanimated cats out there, keep it clashy. See you guys next month. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. (laughs) Elizabeth Proctor, everybody.